Good day, brothers and sisters, and welcome to New Creation Realities. And we're going to go ahead and continue with our lessons, Let There Be Light. And uh, for this lesson, I just wanted to touch on the mystery of Christ, the mystery of God, who is Jesus Christ. And before I do look specifically regarding that, I wanted to mention a couple of things that will kind of come into, well, they'll fit into the, to our lesson here in a little bit. But I did want to mention a couple things because uh, in preparing for uh, the lesson in Spanish, I, I had a, a few things, on my, a couple, just a couple things on my heart, and I just wanted to share those real quick. All right, the first one, the born-again believer and God. A born-again believer truly cannot be angry with God. All right, there's the statement. A born-again believer can truly cannot, cannot be angry with God. Now, we can be angry with our concept of God. We can be angry with our false expectations, expectation, our false hope that we place upon God. But a born-again believer truly cannot be angry with God. Now, when there is light, there is not our concept of God. When there is light, we see the only expectation, the only hope that God offers. The only expectation, the only hope of God All right. When there is light, there is only joy, love, love for God, adoration, gratefulness, thankfulness. Because when there is light, our heart is directed under the person of Christ himself. Versus our heart being directed to something less. All right. Extreme efforts. For one end, we want a God who will dance for us and sing for us. And no, I'm not going to dance and I am not going to sing you a song. But the messenger of God and Jesus himself have done this, do this, and will continue to do this. All right. Whatever it takes, a miracle, sign, a wonder, a timely word, etc., whatever it takes to get the attention of our heart. See, we do not know our own hearts. God searches the heart by his Holy Spirit. God knows the heart. God sees the heart. Man looks on the outward. Man knows the outward. But God alone knows what it, it will take to direct and bring our heart into Christ Jesus, his son. This is Matthew uh, chapter 11, verse 16 through 20. And it's basically the passage where, well, I'll just go ahead and read it. This is Jesus himself speaking. But to what shall I like in this generation? It is like children 
there's the key. It is like children sitting in the marketplace, calling to their companions, verse 17, and saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. So everything they were doing was to provoke, was to get a response from the others. Verse 18, for John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon, and the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is justified by her children. Verse 20, then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works, that's his marvelous miracles, mighty miracles, had been done. And here's why. Because they did not repent the heart being turned unto the Lord. And it is all, all with purpose. Everything of God, everything God does, is designed of God to direct and bring the heart unto the person of Jesus Christ himself. This God himself does. This is true repentance when the heart is turned unto the Lord. And I just, yeah, when the heart turns unto the Lord, that is true repentance. Jesus quoted uh, Isaiah when he said, you know, these people, they honor me with their lips. Uh, then he goes on to say, teaching is, uh, well, I'll go ahead and read it. Mark, if I can find it, Mark chapter 7, verse 5 through 6. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said unto them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men." That which comes from man, not that which comes from God, because remember, that which comes from God, once again, everything of God, everything that God does, is designed of God, purposed of God, to direct and bring our heart unto Jesus Christ, His Son, not unto some rule and regulation, okay? When, by the work of the Holy Spirit, our heart is turned unto the Lord. There is only joy, once again, love, love for God, adoration, gratefulness, and thankfulness. I've said this before, but I, I distinctly remember the moment I was born again. I was not upset with God. I was not angry with God when the Holy Spirit caused my heart, directed my heart and caused my heart to turn unto the Lord to receive salvation. I was not angry with God. In fact, I believe I was the most grateful, the most joyful at that time that, well, I can't even say that I was grateful for anything before then. I can't really even say that I was joyful for anything before then. The moment of new birth, that's when it began. There's such an extreme between 
the Adamic man and Christ appearing in the soul. There's such an extreme between the soul not having life and the soul having the life which he was created for. Such an extreme difference. <clears throat> All right. Now, for God, the scriptures are important because we've looked we've been looking at the importance of the scriptures. And in fact, I'll ask the question again, which I've began um, with our previous lessons, you know, why are the scriptures, the Old Testament important? Well, for God, the scriptures are important because they testify of Jesus Christ, his son. We know the passage, John chapter 5, verse 39 through 40. Jesus says, you search the scriptures, speaking to the Jews, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these, the scriptures, are they which testify of me. Now, listen to this. The scriptures are important. This is to God, for God. The scriptures are important because they testify of Jesus Christ, his son. Now, if the scriptures did not testify of Jesus Christ, the scriptures would not exist. This is how, this is how God sees things. He sees things in purpose, his purpose, not our purpose, not man's purpose, but his very own purpose, his eternal purpose. If the scriptures did not testify of Jesus Christ, his son, the scriptures would not exist. There'd be no point in them, in them existing. The very scriptures exist because they testify of Jesus Christ. Period. No other purpose, no other reason. Now, I know that man, the natural man, including the natural mind, has a multitude, a myriad of purposes, a myriad of reasons. No, the scriptures are not some historical book that we can prove historically to be accurate or inaccurate. No, 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 no. That's not the, that's not the scriptures. The scriptures are not some... Uh, really eloquent, and I can't even say eloquent, <laughs> some really nice work of literature uh, that we've had for some number of years. No, 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 no. That's not what the, the scriptures are. See, with all those thoughts, we are bringing the scriptures of God down to a level of man, down to a level of carnality. They're, they're not from man. They are from God. They were inspired of God. And holy men wrote them down upon that inspiration, upon God declaring, this is what you will write. This is what you will say. All they did was like a scribe dictate, or not dictate, but transcribe. Just what they hear, they write. They hear, they write. The scriptures did not come from man. Sadly, with our hearts submitted, we who are born again believers, with our hearts submitted unto the natural mind, the Adamic mind, we come up with all these other reasons of the scriptures. Oh, they're, they're a very good uh, morals book, a book of morals to teach us how to civilize, how to live civilized. No, they are not. If the scriptures did not testify of Jesus Christ, if the scriptures do not testify of Jesus Christ, the scriptures would not exist. There would be no reason for them existing. Apart from the testimony of Jesus Christ, 
They serve no other purpose. A light. The testimony is a light. The Holy Spirit uses it, the testimony, to direct and bring. Remember, the Holy Spirit is our guide. And what a guide does, he directs you and brings you to a particular destination so that you don't get lost along the way. Ever been in a huge forest, a huge jungle without a guide? In, in listen, unchartered territory? Where you had no clue where you were going? Well, yes, yes, where you were going or how you were going to get there? The Holy Spirit is our guide. He knows where he is directing our heart unto, just as he knew where he would bring, direct and bring our soul unto for the moment of new birth. See, God knows what he's doing. It is we who do not know what he's doing. We believe he's doing all these other things. No, no, no. He's not doing all these other things. God is doing one thing. He is directing and bringing our heart under the person of Christ Jesus, his son. First, for the moment of new birth, so that you may be born again, so that you may have life, so that you may come to purpose, the purpose for which your soul was created. And then from that moment onward, so that the heart may now come unto the knowledge of new birth, that there may be light. All right. The testimony is a light. The Holy Spirit uses it, uses the testimony to direct and bring the heart unto the true light of the world, Christ himself. Now, a spiritual order, which I, I think I already just mentioned this. First, there's reality for the soul. This is coming from death unto life. Then... There is knowledge, the knowledge of reality coming from the heart, being submitted unto darkness, unto light. And it, it's, I, I, I don't know if you noticed this, you who are viewing this, but I kind of redid the diag this diagram behind me just a little bit. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you caught it or not, but it's based upon this. It is always an upward, it is always upward, above. Above. First, for the born-again believer, well, I'll, I'll say it for the one who is not born again, coming from death, that which is buried in a grave, unto life, resurrection life, above. Then, for the one who is born again, coming from ignorance and darkness below, the natural Adamic mind, the natural mind, the Holy Spirit is our guide to bring us unto the light from God, the light of the testimony, which is the light from God. Do you see that? There's, there's above, rising above, to come unto the light from God. And see, that's it. This, as, I, as I stated earlier, the scriptures are not a historical piece of literature. No, they are not. They did not come from a natural mind. They did not come from a natural source. They did not come from a natural man. No. The scriptures are the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
God declares his son, and those who hear that declaration write it down. I, li I like the way, and I don't know if the, my Bible's not right now. My Bibles now are on, they're electronic. But I still have a few, yes, I do, <laughs> a few hard copies, a hardback Bible. And I love the way it says it. You just, on the cover, it says, Holy Bible. It doesn't say just Bible, no. And I don't know if I don't know if uh, publishers have taken out the taken out the holy from the the cover of the Bible or not. I, I don't know. I I don't like I said. I, I I use an electronic Bible, electronic versions of the scriptures. But I love the way the Bible that I have, which I have stuck on my bookshelf. <laughs> Had I thought of it, I would have brought it out to show you. It says. Holy Bible. Why is it holy? Because it is not from man. Man is not the source of it. No, man is not the source of it. Once again, the Bible, the scriptures are not a historical piece of literature. No. Or some books contain to have stories about different people's places, times, events. No. They're holy because its source is holy. God himself. See, we always want to try to bring God down to our level. Carnality, a natural mind, darkness, ignorance, that which is, listen, enmity with God. Or we believe that somehow our natural mind can ascend, just like those who gathered for the Tower of Babel, and reach God, reach the eternal mind. No. No amount of learning on man's part can reach the eternal mind of God. No amount of learning no amount of reading, no amount of studying. Remember, Jesus Christ is the mystery of God. Mystery because the natural mind doesn't know it. Hidden from the natural mind. Hidden from the natural man. And hidden to any heart that would be submitted unto the natural mind. Now, we who are born again, don't go off lying off in the left field or right field. We who are born again, the Apostle Paul himself declared, but we have the mind of Christ. I mean, he is our life, and certainly we have his mind. But my question is, unto which, unto which mind is our heart submitted unto? It requires a miracle of God, a work of the Holy Spirit, to direct and bring our heart from being submitted unto the natural mind, the Adamic mind, the mind of the first man, Adam, gross ignorance and darkness, unto 
the eternal mind, the mind of our head, who is Christ himself. This requires a miracle of God every step of the way. So for the born again believer, the Holy Spirit brings us from ignorance and darkness, the natural Adamic mind, unto the light. It's rising unto the light from God, from God. Light of the testimony keeps on, then uses the light of the testimony, the Holy Spirit uses, who is our guide, to bring us, to direct and bring us unto the light who is God himself. I mean, Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me, me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now, I did not say, because Jesus did not say this, I did not quote, he who follows his concept of me. No. No. Man's concept is just that, out from man, whose source, which source, is man, the first man, Adam, the natural mind, the natural man. No, not our concept, not our thought, not our idea. Not I, but Christ. All right. Going on. Apart from God himself and that which is apart from God himself and that which is of God, specifically the scriptures, there is no light. No light whatsoever. Now, we, we, we don't want to hear that because we may have a pretty high IQ or we may have scored pretty high on our ACT or SAT. <laughs> Forgive me for bringing that in. <laughs> some, of the, some of the youth uh, there in our fellowship, they're, they're taking those exams right now or not actually right now, but you know, this is the season, the time that they're doing that. No, no, that does not constitute the light of God. No. Jesus said, no, your light is darkness. <laughs> what you call light, Jesus, a righteous judgment declares, no, that's darkness. The natural mind is darkness. It's completely contrary to God. Enmity, completely other. It's like a black square. I know it's not black, but there you go. <laughs> a black hole of ignorance. We just don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that. Because we can study. We can search the scriptures. We can learn. But even one of the mo most well-known Pharisees discovered this. Because God took the initiative, did a miracle, that which he could not do. This is the Apostle Paul. 
who before was Saul, had no clue of whom the scriptures were speaking. Only darkness. Death and darkness. I mean, we'll go on to read the scripture. But he, I mean, Jesus appears to him. God takes the initiative because man cannot. Except God take the initiative? Impossible for man. He will, he will never, he can never, and he cannot come unto God by his own ability. Requires a miracle of God. And so Christ appears unto Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. Who are you, Lord? Remember, a light. I love this. He saw a light that was brighter than the noon day sun, natural light. And yet he, he has to confess, who are you? And yet he recognizes the superiority of Christ. Who are you, Lord? And what's the response? What is the heavenly response? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Based upon what you think, based upon what you believe, based upon your concepts of the scriptures. But you have no life, so you persecute me. You persecute my body. All right. This is Second uh, Peter chapter one verse nineteen. This is Peter recounting. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but basically recounting the transfiguration on the mount, uh, the transfiguration of Jesus on the holy mount, when God the Father, you know overshadows him and declares, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He says, and so we have the prophetic word. Here we go. The scriptures, the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light. The prophetic word you do well to heed as a light. I love this. That shines in a dark place whether that be the soul that is not born again or the heart that is submitted unto the natural mind until, I love that, until a light, as a light, the scriptures, the prophetic word, taking heed to it as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Where God the Father declares, let there be light. God the Father making known the Son who is the life, the salvation, the righteousness, the light, and so many other terms found in the scriptures of the believer. All right, so here's the question. What is the importance of the scriptures, the Old Testament? Why are the scriptures, the Old Testament, important? They testify of Christ. We saw that. We read that, John 5, 39 through 40. Now, because the scriptures are the testimony of Jesus Christ, they declare, they because they are the scriptures are the testimony of Jesus Christ, they declare 
the full counsel of God. Nothing is lacking of what God desired to communicate unto a soul. The full counsel of God, His Son, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, once again, who walked, yes, he walked in the light of the face of Jesus Christ, declared the following, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. That's Acts chapter 20, verse 27. And yes, he walked in the light of the face of Jesus Christ. We'll, we'll go on to read the passage, Lord willing, because it's in my notes. Acts chapter 26, 16, what I was just mentioning just a little bit ago, when Saul was born again, brought to Paul, Christ appeared. Jesus said, I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to constitute thee a minister and a witness of this, of the following, thy seeing me and of thy seeing me from this moment onward. And then, also, 2 Corinthians, let's just go there real quick, chapter 4, verse 6, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, this is not my words, this is his words, but where did he get these words to write? His heart was submitted unto the eternal mind of Christ. For it is God, now he's going to start quoting from the Old Testament, specifically from Genesis, from the beginning. For it is God who commanded light, I love that, to shine out of darkness, who has shown in, in, the word in is actually there in the Greek, in our what? Heart. Light in the heart. Life in the soul. First, there must be life in the soul for there to be light in the heart. Shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He walked before the face of Jesus Christ. He walked in the light of the Lord. Even as uh, Abraham, a testimony of this with Abraham in Genesis chapter, I think is verse, uh, chapter 17, I think, verse 1, El, the Lord appears as El Shaddai, the ability for all things, in fact, the only ability for anything. And he says, walk before my face and be thou perfect walking in the light of the countenance of the Lord. All right? So, <clears throat> because the scriptures are the testimony of Jesus Christ, they declare the full counsel of God. Now, because the testimony, excuse me, because the scriptures are the testimony of Jesus Christ, they declare the mystery of God in people's places, things, times, events, etc., the mystery of God, who is Christ. This is Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. 
continue earnestly in prayer. This is the Apostle Paul, and I love this. I love this. Listen. <laughs> oh, we're going to love this. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Verse 3. Meanwhile, praying also for us. This is his prayer request. That God, not that we or that man, no, no, no. That God would take the initiative. That God would do what only God can do. That God would open to us a door for the word. Oh, gosh. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Run with that. Well, we have run with that. We've run with it too much. We've run with it here all around the natural mind with different purposes, different reasons, different... That's what man does. Praying for us, praying also for us, that God would open to us a door for the word. Here we go. For the scriptures. To speak the mystery of Christ, for which I also am in chains, that I may make it manifest. so as I ought to speak. Right? The word manifest is basically to make visible, clear, manifest, known. This is the Vine's uh, complete expository dictionary of New Testament words. And it goes on in the next paragraph to say, the true meaning is to uncover, to bear, reveal. Well, if you uncover something, that means it's hidden. It's covered. So it is hidden right here from the natural mind, from the natural man, and to any heart that is submitted unto the natural mind. For the Apostle Paul, the word, let me read the the verse again. This is uh, found in verse 3 of Colossians chapter 4. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God will open to us a door for the, for the word. And there run the ministers. Oh, we want a door to be open for the word. Well, for the word of God. Here we go, the scriptures. For preaching, for teaching. No. No. For the apostle Paul, who walked in the light of the countenance of Jesus Christ, who walked in the light of the Lord, who walked before the face of God, before the face of Christ. For the Apostle Paul, the word is not any word or anything out from the Scriptures. It's not just any word, not just anything out from the Scriptures. For the Apostle Paul, the word is not something that comes from the natural mind. For the Apostle Paul, the word is not the purpose, or excuse me, some purpose from or of the natural mind. For the Apostle Paul, the word is not some hope from or of the natural mind some hope or expectation from or of the natural mind. No, it it is nothing of that. Man 
let me write this, man is not the source. Exclamation mark. For the Apostle Paul, the word is the mystery of Christ. Once again, why is this a mystery? It is a mystery to the natural mind. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, nor has it entered into the mind of the heart of man. And the verse goes on. But God has revealed them unto us. In fact, let me just go ahead and find that verse. I seen here. Let's see if I can pull it up with that. I love this. Oh gosh, look at this. <laughs> this is, I've, I've got to read this. This is, uh, I'll make it a point to read. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting with verse 6. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age this natural age, this natural time, this natural world, nor of the rulers of this age, the rulers whose hearts are submitted to such wisdom, to such knowledge, to such a mind, the natural mind, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God. Not our wisdom. No, no, no. Not I, not man, but Christ, the wisdom of God. In a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Hidden wisdom, why hidden? Why is it the, is it the wisdom of God in a mystery? Because it is a mystery to the natural mind. It is hidden from the natural mind. And unto the heart that is submitted to such a natural mind. Which none of the rulers of this age, natural age, knew, for had they known, if they had any inkling of an idea, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Verse 9, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10, But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. I'll just read, go on real quick. For uh, for man knows the things, uh, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. 
Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And these things, my brothers and sisters, are as Jesus said, they are they which testify of me. We will never exhaust knowing our Lord. No, not even throughout eternity. We will never exhaust knowing him. Okay, now this is uh, James Murdoch's translation of the Syriac Peshito for Colossians chapter 4, verse 3 that we just read earlier. The Apostle Paul speaking, And pray also for us that God will open to us a door of speech for uttering the mystery of the Messiah. Now, listen to what he says here. For the sake of which I am in bonds. This is the Tree of Life version, the Messianic Jewish Family Bible Society, for Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. At the same time, keep praying for us as well, that God may open to us a door for the message to proclaim the mystery of Messiah, for which I am in prison. I mean, he defines the word. He also defines the purpose, the reason he's in prison. Look at this. From the word, from the scriptures, we can declare whatever we want. You can declare whatever you want from the scriptures, and people are good with that. Okay. Do this, do that. Don't do this, don't do that. Okay, I'll, I, can, I can handle that. Or see what it says about you, see what it says about you. Okay, I can handle that. But, right here, I mean, for which I am in prison. Look at this. Once you begin to declare that they are the testimony, the word of God, an open door for the word, once you begin declaring that this word, the scriptures, the testimony found in the scriptures, that they indeed are the testimony of Jesus who is the Messiah alone, as in alone, as in no other purpose for this word, no other reason for this word existing except that they are testifying of Jesus who is the Messiah, oh, then people get upset. See, the Romans, they were just upset. They just wanted to control the peace. I mean, some of them, of course, were quite crazy in their own minds. The Jews, they could handle, they could handle Jesus. They just couldn't handle him as being the Messiah. Nor could they handle, I mean, Paul is declaring it right here. Nor could they handle that the entirety of the scriptures declared a person, not a a code of conduct, not a behavior modification manual. Remember the Pharisees? Hey, they come to Jesus. Hey, why do your disciples, why don't they follow the traditions of the elders? Why don't they wash before they eat their food? You know, that's what it's about. That's what the elders got out of the scriptures. 
And Jesus, his response, I mean, totally paraphrasing this, is like, you guys have missed it. You've totally missed it. You think that honors God? Do you think that's really what God wants? <laughs> no. The scriptures are a light given of God from God to direct and bring the soul unto the true light of the world. The true life of the world that the soul may have life and in the soul having life that the heart may now come unto the light of the life the soul now has. Now, the scriptures are not for anything of what we think. The scriptures are not for any purpose of this natural man. Remember, the source of the scriptures, my brothers and sisters, are not Adam, are not the natural man, are not the natural mind. The source of the scriptures are God himself. We just don't even believe that. That's why I love it. I love, I love the publishers who did this. That's why they put the Holy Bible. Not the common Bible. Not man's Bible. No, the Holy Bible. Holy because its, it's source is the Holy One. And that was it. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul writing to the Colossians, praying for an open door for the word so that he may be able to declare the mystery of Christ. And because of which mystery, he's in prison. It's all, it's all fun and games until you begin to declare the purpose of the scriptures. It's all fun and games until your heart is submitted unto the eternal mind of God and you are declaring, no, it is not anything that you think, but it is the eternal thought of God who is Christ Jesus, his son. And remember, Jesus himself said this, John 5, 39 and 40. You search the scriptures because you think you have life in them. And these, they are they that testify of me. And then listen to what he says. Here's the purpose and design of the testimony. And you will not come to me to find what you're looking for. It all centers and revolves around and upon a person. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Yes, he has a name. God told the angel to tell Mary, call his name Jesus. Oh, we don't like that. <laughs> Jesus the Messiah. God who's shown in our heart, who, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus the Messiah. We don't like that. No, no. <laughs> Keep it general, just general terms. Don't, don't make it personable. No, just general terms. Oh, Messiah, 
Christ. You know, we've gotten so we've gotten so dull of hearing with these terms, these titles of Jesus, these titles of the Son of God. Even the Son of God is a title. No, Jesus, the Messiah. See, the the, the Jews they could handle Jesus. They just couldn't handle Jesus, the Messiah. No, that's what they couldn't handle. It's all fun and games until God himself declares his own mind. Then the sparks fly. <laughs> all right. Like children playing. I'll just mention this real quick. Uh, I remember during a Bible conference, the Lord put it on my heart to get a book. It wasn't the Bible, but that was the impression for everyone else for it to be. And to just get it, open it up and just start tearing pages out of it, folding it up into paper airplanes and tossing them. Yeah, the Lord put that on my heart to do it. And I did do it. And this is the statement. This is the reason. This is the purpose. If we do not take the written word to declare the living word, the true word, then we are taking the written word, the testimony, and like children, we are just plain. This is what the natural mind does. My brothers and sisters, you'll probably hate me for saying this, but this is what we do. This is what I do. This is what you do. This is what we all do. Remember what Jesus said. No man can come to me except the Father draw him. Not man's ability. God and God alone declares his mind. Then you'll say, oh, but what about the messenger of God? Yes, the messenger of God will declare the mind of God. But what's, what, it, what the messenger of God is fully convinced of is that it is not I, not my mind, but the mind of Christ that the heart is submitted unto. You see? If we do not take the written word to declare the living word, the true word, Christ himself, then we are taking the written word, which is the testimony, and like children, we are plain. This is what the natural mind does. This is what the Adamic mind does. That which is below, listen, look at that. Look at, put a level on it, on my diagram. That which is below. This is what man does with the scriptures. Once again, you, me, etc. presents something less than the testimony of Christ. This is what man 
scent of man does. This is not what man scent of God does. Now, when there is one scent of God, remember, of God, not man, but of God, the following is the norm. Here we go. Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, one more time. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open a door, would open to us a door. And everybody wants that. Oh, God opened a door or God's going to open a door. And let's pray for God to open a door for whatever. But for one who is sent of God, that God would open to us a door for the word. And now he defines it to speak the mystery of Christ. To declare the one that eye has not seen, that ear has not heard, that has not even entered into the heart of man. Uh, for time's sake, I'm just going to make a couple comments here. But from Acts chapter 26, verse 15 through 19, this is the, the conversion of Saul to Paul when he was born again, I believe. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise. I love that. This is Saul of Tarsus, completely dead. His soul has no life whatsoever. He walks in darkness. He is his heart submitted unto dark, gross, gross darkness and ignorance. So I said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But listen, listen to what the Lord says. But rise. My brothers and sisters, that's resurrection. Come out from among the dead. And stand on your feet. For I, here we go, have appeared unto you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. And I love uh, James Murdoch's translation in the Sirik Pishido. I believe it's the most accurate translation there is concerning this verse, in particular, verse 16. And he said to me, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared to thee for this purpose, to constitute thee a minister and a witness of this, thy seeing me and of thy seeing me hereafter. My brothers and sisters, here is the issue. The issue is seeing Christ, Christ appearing. The issue is Christ himself. Now, in all of the things of the scriptures, Jesus Christ appears. That's the testimony. He goes on to tell King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto this heavenly vision. All right, spiritual order once again. First, reality from death unto life. Then the knowledge of reality from the heart submitted unto darkness unto the heart submitted unto light, the light of God. A natural example, a newborn babe is born into a natural world, 
born into a natural creation, has natural life, but knows nothing, zero, of the world into which it was born. Time goes on, and the child begins knowing that which pertains to its natural world. Now, each of us who are born again, we have been born into a new creation. This God did for the soul the moment of new birth. Or this is the moment of new birth. First, and then, I love this, the first thing God does in a creation from Genesis 1, 1 through 4, God is preparing, the Spirit of God is preparing the ground so that God himself can declare, let there be light. That is a spiritual order of God himself. That is not some order of the natural mind of man. Man, <laughs> once a person is born again, man comes along and says, okay, now you need this, you need this, you need to stop this, you need to start this, and you, you need this, this, this. That's not God's order. That order comes out of a natural man, a natural mind. God, on the other hand, the eternal order, the spiritual order, the heavenly order, the above order, the first thing God does in a creation is he's preparing that creation. He's preparing the ground, the waters, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, brooding over the waters. So God may declare, let there be light. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. Being directed and being brought from death unto life, and then from that moment onward, being directed and being brought from gross darkness, ignorance, unto the light of life, who is Christ. Where there is light, there is no imagination. Before there is light, there is a profound depth of imagination. You can just call it ignorance. And once again, it's not ignorance of things. Even a Christian can see a, a myriad of things in the scriptures. It is ignorance of Christ himself. The Apostle Paul walked before the face of Jesus Christ. Therefore, the Apostle Paul had light. This is one sent of God. I'm going to continue reading Acts chapter 20, chapter 26. I'm going to start, well, I'll just start with verse 16. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness. And I'll continue with... Uh, James Murdoch's translation of the Sri Pishito, of this, uh, thy seeing me, and of thy seeing me hereafter. Now back to the New King James, verse 17. I will deliver you from the Jewish people, as well as from the Gentiles. Why does Jesus have to say, I will deliver you? I will deliver you. Why? Because the Apostle Paul will begin declaring the full counsel, the whole counsel of God 
the eternal mind unto the natural mind, actually unto the heart, which is submitted unto the natural mind. And brothers and sisters, the natural mind, which is the carnal mind, is enmity with God. I mean, remember what I said earlier. You can declare whatever you want out of the Scriptures, and people are good with that. But when you declare that the Scriptures are exclusively and solely the testimony of Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, and nothing less, that's when people get upset. No, we'd rather have a list of do's and don'ts, like what we call the Ten Commandments. But even Moses came down, listen, with the tables of testimony and presented the testimony to the people. And all the people with a heart submitted unto a natural mind could res respond with, okay, we can do that. I can do that. Yeah, yeah, that's talking about me. I can do that. No, no, no. The scriptures are not talking about you. The scriptures are declaring, testifying of Jesus Christ. Going on. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you because they're certainly going to be upset when you mention my name. And don't we all get upset? <clears throat> to open, oh, look, look at this, to open their eyes in order to turn a true repentance, to turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. It was on, therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Now, Jesus is saying this, uh, to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan uh, to God. The apostle Paul knows it is not I, but Christ. If one's eyes are opened, then I didn't do it. God did it, and he did it with purpose. If one repents and comes from darkness to light, God did it, and he did it with purpose. And if one repents and comes from the power of Satan unto God, God did it. And God did it with purpose. Not I, but Christ. See, you can't declare anything else if you're walking before the face of Jesus Christ. No, you can't. You can't. Now, if you are looking into a mirror and beholding your own image, then, yeah, sure, you did everything, whatever's done. But remember, whatever you do is called Ishmael, and specifically by the Apostle Paul, dead works, because dead works come out of a dead man, a dead source. Yes, even for believers, if our heart is submitted unto the natural mind, then the natural mind's source is death. The results, dead works. But if we, by work of the Holy Spirit, are beholding in the Scriptures, which is the miracle, the, the, the mirror, there it is, the mirror, mirror of God, beholding the true image of God, 
then it is automatically not I, but Christ. And you don't even have to confess that as your confession of faith, or you don't even have to memorize that and remember, or try even to make it happen. Oh, what was that again? Oh, let me do it. Oh, I, I can't. No, no, there's none of that. That's just automatic. Not I, but Christ. Right? <clears throat> One sent of God knows the end goal of the written word. Remember? That God would open us for open unto us a door for the word. One sent of God, not of man, but of God, knows the end goal of the written word. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. Christ is a mystery to the natural man, the natural mind. For the born-again believer, Christ is a mystery unto the heart that is submitted unto the natural knowledge, the Adamic mind. The natural mind has no light whatsoever. The miracle of God. First, there must be the light of the mirror which reflects the light of the true image of God. So first there must be the light of the mirror, which reflects the light of the true image of God. Here's, uh, in closing, two last verses. This is... 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but you are a... This is the apostle... Peter, but you are another one who was sent of God, another one who walked before the face of Jesus Christ, right? Whose heart was turned unto the Lord. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 through 15, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. I love this. He has, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us, translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is, he, Christ himself is, Jesus Christ himself is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So, let there be light, the mystery of Christ. Please present all of this to the Holy Spirit, our true teacher, our only teacher, our only guide, that he would take that which he desires to take, use it for God's end and God's own purpose. Amen? Amen. The Lord bless you. We'll see you in our next lesson. Amen.